You're listening to The 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We're talking about some wonderful Christmas hymns with Benjamin Kologi, member of Faith Lutheran Church with Plano, Te- member of Faith Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas, professional church organist and composer and contributor to the Lutheran Service Book Hymnal Companion. Thanks for joining us again, Benjamin. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Today we get to look at Lo How a Rose Air Blooming Lutheran Service Book 359. What do you have for us on this one? Yeah, this is one of my favorite hymns. It's been arranged for so many choral ensembles and instrumental groups. It just was such a wonderful Christmas hymn, but it's actually the hymn of the day for Christmas Eve. And the text originated from the 16th century. You can tell this from the information provided at the bottom left of the hymnal on the page. And if you look there, you can also tell that a lot of people contributed to the creation of this hymn. So you can see that Stanzas one, two, and four come from the 16th century. You see that stanza three comes from Friedrich Leritz from the 19th century. And then there's three translators for each of the respective verses. So just the presence of all these people that as they're notated in the hymnal should tell us that this hymn is kind of a composite. So the original hymn, as it comes to us in the original German, is about 19 to 23 stanzas, depending on which source you consider as the first one. <laughs> but this hymn originates in the Reformation era, or the slightly pre-Reformation era, but in the Catholic Church. And it was only later adapted and adopted by Lutherans. So there are all sorts of textual strands we could follow when we're discussing this text. It's kind of difficult to talk about. We could talk about the Catholic version, the Lutheran version, but to suffice it to say that originally, as a Catholic Christmas hymn, It was conceived in German, not in Latin. So that tells us that it was meant to be sung at home or folk use outside of church, because, of course, Latin was the language of the liturgy in the Roman Catholic Church at the time. So in the original Catholic text, the rose in this opening line, Loha Rose, referred to the Virgin Mary, not Jesus. And if you know about medieval iconography or theology, this this rose represented the Virgin Mary. And we still have vestiges of this in modern Catholic tradition. The, the rosary, which in Latin is rosarium, it's a rose garden. It's prayers, a little collection of prayers to Mary and Jesus. And a reference to Mary as a rose can be traced back to Ambrose of Milan, one of the church fathers who lived in the early fourth century. He, rose, he wrote about how the roses then grew in the Garden of Eden originally had no thorns. Only after the fall into sin did they grow thorns. But roses, with their beautiful blossoms and aroma, still remind humankind of paradise. And he further talked about this rose imagery. He said that the Virgin Mary is, quote, the rose without thorns, unquote. Born free of original sin, she was free of the thorns, the sins, that had pricked humankind since Eve ate that from the apple. So all this is to tell us about the original Catholic interpretation of this hymn, not the Luther one, so that we can understand how it's been Lutheranized, so to speak. So if the original text was about Mary, the rose that bore Jesus, Lutherans adapted this hymn and changes were made to it so that it focused then on Jesus, not Mary. So consider the first stanza. Lo, how a rose are blooming, from tender stem hath sprung. Of Jesse's lineage coming, as prophets long have sung, 
became a flower bright amid the cold of winter when half spent was the night. Here we're called to remember the prophecies that foretold Christ's birth. I think maybe Isaiah 11, 1 through 2, where Isaiah says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And also, in a very practical way, we're kind of reminded of Jesus' own human genealogy, which, of course, we can find in Matthew 1, the first 17 verses in the Gospel of Matthew. But this is really important for establishing a framework for the Incarnation, isn't it? Jesus is both true God and he's true man. And I have to take a little diversion here. I'm thinking about the rose windows of those great Gothic cathedrals in Europe. And they weren't called rose windows simply because they were beautiful in lots of colors. They were called that because they often depicted Mary in some way, or very specifically, in addition to that, the lineage of Jesus. And I remember one time I was visiting and playing the organ at Saint-Denis, Paris. It's considered the first Gothic cathedral in history. All the kings of France are buried there. But the rose window in the back very clearly depicts the ancestors of Jesus, just like Matthew 1 does. And just like this hymn reminds us in in poetry. So the second stanza continues by reminding us of a prophecy that's been fulfilled. Isaiah twas foretold it, the rose I have in mind. With Mary we behold it, the virgin mother kind. To show God's love aright, she bore to us a savior. When half spent was the... Now, of course, you can see that this stanza was originally about Mary, but it's been altered here so that we sing about Jesus, whom we behold with Mary, very clear to point that out, who bore the Savior, of course. And I've always been intrigued by this little refrain, when half-spent was the night. And of course, this is a metaphorical way of speaking about Christ's birth in the still of the night, when all was quiet, I suppose, silent night and all. But, you know, there was no human fanfare, which you would expect for such an important event. So I, I suppose that's what it could mean. But I also think in maybe in macro or universal terms, in another sense. Jesus was kind of born in the middle of human history, a history that's been distorted by dark, the darkness and the blindness of sin. And I, I wonder if that could be considered a metaphorical night. Into the middle of humanity's timeline, does Christ the Savior come? He's in flesh and born in the incarnation. And the hymn continues, this flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air. Dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God, from sin and death, he saves us and lightens every load. And this stanza comes from someone totally different, Friedrich Leiritz. And this reminds me of Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And I think this is really a nice metaphor. We know that flowers and incense too, they were used to cover up unpleasant worldly. Think of Jesus' body being anointed in the grave. So Christ as Savior redeems us from the stain and the unpleasantness of death and sin. And the final stanza is set in the form of a prayer. O Savior, child of Mary, who felt our human woe, O Savior, King of glory, who dost our weakness know, bring us at length, we pray, 
to the bright courts of heaven and to the endless day. So not surprisingly, this stanza is eschatological. It focuses on the end times. It reminds us of the gift of eternal life that will be ours at the last day. And it reminds us that this is the reason Christ became incarnate. This is that we might be saved. Mary is still referenced again, but it's done so in order to ground us in Christ's humanity. And that he came so that he might experience humanity and weakness as a child born of Mary. So let's conclude with just a little about this tune. It's really one of my favorites and um, was seemingly composed for the German hymn text. We don't really know that for sure, but likely both the text and the tune were created together by that very prolific person called Anonymous. But the <laughs> harmonization we have of the hymnal by Michael Praetorius, and he's one of my favorite composers, before Brius took Lutheran chorales and he orchestrated them for choir and instruments. And he sometimes even turned these hymns into dances. They're just, they're just lovely pieces of, of music. And this tune has proven inspirational for composers throughout the centuries. I am always discovering new organ settings of this tune, and it's always prominent in the choral repertoire. And it really seems to beckon composers to set it in their own way. And you know it's a good tune when such music can easily provide inspiration for other composers. Though How Rose, one of my favorite Christmas hymns. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for helping us unpack this and dig into Loha Rose Air Blooming. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy. You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs>